Once upon a time, in a faraway galaxy, there was a highly advanced people. They had everything that they could ever desire. Technology to solve every problem and more leisure than we could get in a lifetime. But they were bored, bored to tears. They needed something new, something exciting to liven up their planet. A committee was established to look into the matter. They discussed coming up with a new sport or developing a new amusement park. Finally, an alien named Beezy, who you might see on the screen in a moment, proposed the winning idea. Beezy said this, how about we create a god? Everyone agreed it was a wonderful idea. It would give our people something to do on Sunday, one said, and it would be a great for conversations. So they tried to invent a god, but to no avail. Beezy, who had been placed in charge of the research and development of a new god, called all the committee members together. Look, he said, this just isn't working. What good is a god we can invent ourselves? We're smart enough to know that that's not a real god. Why don't we find ourselves a god? Like that god the earthlings worship. The committee agreed. And soon afterwards, Beezy took a business trip to the planet Earth. Under his invisible cloak, he visited dozens and dozens of churches and religious institutions. He took copious notes and spent hours writing up his report. When he returned to his planet, the committee gathered, eager to hear his findings. Fellow aliens, he greeted them. I have returned, not with one God, but with two. A gasp of astonishment rippled through the room. The name of the first God, or should I say goddess, is Grace. A very attractive goddess she is. She talked about love often. Get along, be friends, be nice, she'd say. And if you can't be good, I'll forgive you anyway. Beezy looked perplexed. The only thing is, I'm not sure exactly what she would forgive since there didn't seem to be any rules to break. Beezy went on, I especially like the things the followers of Grace did, like feeding poor people and visiting prisoners in jail. However, he shook his head. These followers of Grace seemed so lost. They kept doing the same bad things over and over and they never seemed to know where they were going. Then there's another God, Beezy took a deep breath. This God is a man, and his name is Truth. Truth is just as mean as Grace is nice. He kept telling the people all sorts of things about them that made them feel very bad, and his followers did the same thing. But there's a good side to Truth, Beasley reassured the committee. He campaigns against some very nasty enemies, such as lying and cheating, adultery, violence, and drunkenness. He's like a big religious street sweeper, sweeping away all his enemies. The only trouble is, he not only sweeps away the bad things, he also sweeps away the people who do the bad things. As for the smiles you see on the followers of grace, forget it. All of truth's followers do is scowl and scream. Needless to say, after hearing Beezy's report, the committee members were ready to opt for the new amusement park because they didn't like either God. But Beezy had one last suggestion. He said, we have all this wonderful technology, technology for mixing repelling elements like oil and water, he said. What if we try mixing grace and truth? For those of you who are interested, that was a story from the beginning of Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Changes That Heal. And we've been in this series, A Church Called Tove. 
Look, looking, looking at how, how do we become the church that God is calling us to be. Looking at a, a good church, a tove church, is a church that looks like Jesus. A church that looks like his master, that is all in for the goodness of God. And all in to re- reflecting, demonstrating, showing the goodness of God to the world around us. Amen? Amen. And over the past, that's it. Um, and over the past couple of weeks, we've been, uh, we've been looking at more specific examples you know, what, is, what does it mean to be a church called Tove in the area of generosity? Get, like living radically generous lives. As Johnny just said, open-handed lives. And then last week, we looked at the, the subject of power. How, how, does, how does a good church, how does a Tove church use power? Well, well, a Tove church uses power in the service of others, just like their master, Jesus. And today, I want to look at grace and truth. Specifically, that a Tove church is a church full, full of grace and truth. I want to start with a little exercise. We're getting interactive today. My wife Kate's a teacher. I'm not, so please go easy on me. On the screen, you should see in your homes a, uh, a, a spectrum from 1 to 10, with grace at a 1 and truth at a 10. Now, thinking back to the story I just shared, I want you to be really honest for a moment. And I want you to give yourselves a number between 1 or 10, 1 being super, super grace, graceful and 10 being super, super truthful of where you are on that spectrum. Either do it in your minds or you've got a bit of paper, just take it down. If you're a, um, if you're a graceful person, I'm probably more on that side of the spectrum. You, 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 you're used to um, people, th- make, they say that you make them feel very loved, but you probably don't like difficult conversations. You really like being liked, but you don't always say what you mean. If you're a truthful person, you don't really care that much about being liked, but you want to be right. And, and you, you're known for being someone who's like, oh gosh, you know what, Maureen says it as it is. She's so blunt, but you're known as that kind of person. So um, you cannot be a five. Don't try and do that. Don't be that kid in the class that's trying to be a five. You can't be in the middle. Pick yourself a number. I'll give you a couple more seconds, and then we're going to come back to that later on. Have you done it? I can't hear you at home, but um, hopefully you have. In our reading this morning, John tells us in verse 14 that Jesus is full, full of grace and truth. He's not, he's not 50% grace and 50% truth. Just as he's not 50% God and 50% man, no, he's full. He's 100% grace and 100% truth. Jesus isn't just graceful on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, and then truthful on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and then a bit of both on Sundays. No, he's full of grace all the time. Whenever Jesus shows up, he's full of truth, full of grace. Every interaction he has, he's 100% of both. He's full of truth. He shows us the truth about who God is. You know, Johnny shared about this a couple of weeks ago, and we won't go into it a lot now, but John says that um, the Word was with God, and the Word, that is Jesus, was God. You know, if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what the Father looks like, look at Jesus. We're left in no doubt. Colossians 1 says this, that Jesus is the image, the image of the invisible God. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. He's full of truth. And the word, the word, for, um, word that John's using here is a Greek word called logos. And you might have heard of that before. But, but logos would have had resonance within the Jewish community and the Greek community, the, the pagans, those outside of the people of God. Because for the Greeks, the word logos was, was a word that represented the great power of the universe. 
the, the kind of the, the um, it represented reason and logic and all of the things that underpin existence. For them, the word, the logos, was higher than any of their gods. It was higher than Zeus, higher than Apollos. It was the overwhelming power of the universe. And for the Jews, the, 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 the idea of the word, the word of God, in particular when you look in the Old Testament, corresponds to God himself. Many times you talk about the word of God, the people were talking about God himself. And so, so John, the reason he's using this, this word logos is because he wants us to be in no doubt. He wants, he wants every single reader, whether they're Jew, Gentile, whether they're, uh, they're not part of the people of God, whether they have been part of the people of God, he wants them to know that this word, this God, this uh, creator of the universe has come in Jesus. That's why he uses this word. He shows us the truth about God. But it's even more amazing than that. Because what is the truth about God that we see in Jesus? The truth about God is that he is full of grace. Full of grace. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been justified. Pure, undeserved, unmerited grace. And we see this, don't we, that, that, that God comes to meet us. This is the promise of the gospel, by the way, that God comes to meet us. He comes to meet you exactly as you are. No matter how broken you feel, no matter how full of shame you feel, no matter what addictions you might have, no matter whether you're on a good day or a bad day, Jesus comes in his grace right beside you. Even now in this room and, 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 and in your homes, he's coming, he's drawing beside you by his spirit. And he dies for you to set you free. I once heard it put like this. Jesus loves you exactly as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you the same way. That's his grace. His grace doesn't leave us as we are. It empowers us for a reason. It transforms us. He's full of grace. You know, we see this all the way through the Gospels. You know, think about the story of the, um, the woman caught in adultery in, in John's Gospel just later on, and, and this woman has, has been um, brought out to be stoned, to be condemned by the people. And in one interaction um, uh, with, with Jesus, Jesus silences all of those wanting to condemn her. He literally saves her life. He saves her life. This extravagant grace where he draws beside her after everyone leaves and has this conversation with her, and then, and then he speaks the truth. He says, go woman and sin no more. I've met you with grace to lead you into a better life. You know, think, think about the, the guy in Mark 2. We all know this, many of us will know this story of uh, the, the, the crippled man whose friends kind of lower him down through the roof. And in Jesus' grace, he, he accepts this, like, uh, this reconstruction of the home. He embraces it and looks at the man and in his grace uh, uh, speaks to him and meets with him and heals him. But the first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven you. First thing he speaks is the truth. What's the real issue here? Your sins are forgiven you. And then he heals the man. You could say that Jesus heals the man, but he heals him for something. He meets him in his grace, but he meets him in his grace for something. Doesn't that resonate in culture at the moment? How many people do you know are pursuing empowerment, but they have no idea what for? The amount of people who, who, who feel empowered, who feel strong, who feel affirmed in themselves, but are still completely lost, they have no idea what their purpose is. He heals us for something. He meets us for something. And this is why being with Jesus, meeting with Jesus is like nothing else in the universe. This is why when, when God shows up in your life, it just completely changes you because he's so full of grace and so full of truth. You're like overwhelmed by his love and you're overwhelmed by the plans that he has for you. You're overwhelmed by the calling that he has for you. 
You're overwhelmed by the life that he longs to draw you into. That's why it's like nothing else in the world. Only Jesus, perfectly full of truth and grace. So, coming back to our spectrum, I'm sure that none of us were 100% grace and 100% truth. By the way, if you're at home and you're 100% grace and 100% truth, like you don't need to be watching this. There is nothing more we can teach you. But for the rest of us, who are probably somewhere along that line, that continuum, this feels like a tall order, doesn't it? But a church called Tove, this is what we've been looking at. This is one of the things that struck me so much. It's so simple, but it's so beautiful. That, that a, a church called Tove is a Tove that recognize, is a church, sorry, that recognizes its calling to become like Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're called to become like Jesus. If Jesus is full of, of, of grace and truth, we're called to be sanctified, to become like Jesus, to become people who are full of grace and truth. You know, when we, when we live, live lives with just one, I really want you to hear this morning, when we live lives just full of grace, just full of truth, we actually inhibit people from meeting with God. We actually inhibit people meeting with God. We either tell people everything's fine as they are, or, or, or we, we, we crush people. We just go with the truth, and they, people feel so condemned and so full of shame that they can't possibly take a step forward to the Messiah. It has the same result. You know, but this is the thing, you know, all of us, I know I do this, all of us are guilty of, of looking at Jesus and emphasizing the bits that are most like us already. Have you done this? And downplaying the bits that are not really like our personality. You know, me, I love the meek and mild Jesus. I'm not big into the admonishment, Jesus. I'm not into that. I don't like the rebuke, Jesus. So, what, oh, you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to just be like, Jesus is completely like this and then ignore these other bits. But as Jesus follows... We're not given that option. We're not given that option. I'm sorry to say it. We're called to become like Jesus. He's our standard. He's our bar. He's our destination. Called to become like him. I want to give you um, an example of this, um, of, of grace without truth and truth without grace, and then what happens when they come together. You know, when I was younger, I was going through a time where I was really struggling with pornography, really struggling with it. It felt like my whole Christian life was about like victories and setbacks in that area. I was struggling so much. It was having such a hold on me. It's consuming, honestly, most of my life. It's all I could think about when I went to church. It's all I could think about when I sat down to pray. And I, and I joined a, a group with some guys um, from church who were struggling in the same area. And you know what? It had its place. It was, it was good. And it was good for, for us to be able to share and to bring things into the light. But I couldn't help but feel after a while, like we were really good at picking each other up, but we weren't really very good at challenging each other for breakthrough, challenging each other to believe that there was freedom and that there was more in Jesus. It sort of, in the end, just sort of felt like a bit of a talking shop. Do you know what I mean? Like it sort of just affirmed all of our slip-ups that week. And, and, and then the other part of it is I would read articles and blogs and, um, online, and I would go away feeling so condemned so hit in the face by truth, so shameful. I just felt like, like it, it, even more under the weight of this thing, like I was never going to see freedom from it. Then one day, I went for a walk down the beach with a mentor of mine, and I talked about my struggles with pornography to them, confessed it to them, and they listened so lovingly, so graciously, they even, they even shared with me some of their own um, areas of sin in their past, some of their own brokenness. And we walked and talked and um, 
Eventually, we, we sat on the seawall, and my friend told me the truth. And they looked at me, honestly, it was just, just through the eyes of love, and they said, George, this is a cancer. A cancer that if you leave it alone, it will grow, and it's going to have an effect on your relationships. It's going to stunt your spiritual growth. It's going to lock you up from so much of what God has for you. God has better for you. It's so much better for you. Truth and grace came together. You know the result of that conversation? We sat on the seawall praying. It led me to Jesus. It led me to Jesus. And I, I sat there with my friends. And as I, as I repented and just spoke to the Lord, and I felt so full of his grace and his truth through, uh, through, through this mentor of mine. And that was really, honestly, the beginning of the process of freedom and healing for me from that whole thing. Grace and truth came together. Do you see this? Grace without truth coddles us. Truth without grace condemns us, but grace and truth changes us. It changes us because it leads us into the arms of the Father. You know, it might feel good. I know it does for me to coddle people in grace. It feels like it's just so nice. We're having such a nice hug. And it's, I haven't hugged someone, some of my friends in like a year. And this is amazing. But it still has the same effect. We're hugging them so tight that they can't move forward. We're holding on to them so close that we can't get, let, let God hold on to them, right? You know, and, and the other one is that we just, you know, people are just so crushed. They're so down beneath the weight of their sin that they can't lift their eyes and look up on the mercy and goodness of Jesus. Grace and truth changes us. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And it changes us because it leads us to Jesus. It changes us because we reveal Jesus in those moments, those moments where we pursue grace and truth. We reflect the grace and truth of Jesus. And do you see that's what, that's sort of what the church is about, isn't it? Like, what else do we have to offer? Is not a church called Tova, a, a church that learns the way of Jesus in, 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 in order to be able to offer the only thing we really have to offer, which is Jesus. You know, like, like um, Peter and John in Acts, you know, gold and silver we do not have, but what we do have we give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. A church called Tove is a church that proclaims that to the city. This we do not have, but what we do have is so much greater than what you think you need. It's Jesus Christ. And this is an insane privilege. Because when we grasp this, when we're honest about where we are on that scale, and when we pray to God to fill us with, with his spirit, to make us more like Jesus, all of us become bridges. All of us become priests. This is the royal priesthood, by the way. A people that bring God and the world together. The love of God and the needs of the world. All of us are called into doing that. You know, the word that, that John uses for dwell, when it talks the word became flesh and dwelt among us, is the same word that can be used for tabernacle. You know, that God's, God's presence was in the, in the tabernacle, wasn't it, in the Old Testament, and then in the temple. And in Jesus, God's presence is now dwelling in human flesh. And now through the Holy Spirit, the temple is us. The temple is us. We are the bridge bringing heaven to earth in the name of Jesus. That's a Tove church. And that's the work that we're called to be caught up in, the mysterious, majestic work of Jesus revealing himself to the world, of him calling everything back to himself. That's exciting because honestly, like, I get to the point with, my, like, with friends and conversations and it's like only, there's only so much I can do here. 
Like, surely, like, if I love you, the best thing I can offer you is Jesus. I'm like, it doesn't mean we have to treat people like projects, but so I have an agenda, because I know that only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can really restore a relationship. Only Jesus can really bring you freedom from that thing. Only him. Only Jesus can teach us to become like him. Only he is perfect in these ways. When we come to him, we can grow, become people full of truth and full of grace. And I just want to say that if you're, you know, if you're in here or you're watching this and uh, that story I shared earlier, you're struggling with the same thing, please reach out to someone who loves you and loves God or get in contact with me.